Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the official Tennis.com podcast featuring professional coach and community leader, Kamal Murray. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. I'm your host, Kamal Murray. And what an exciting week of tennis. We've got Iga taking over the number one spot, getting the sunshine double, making easy work of Naomi Osaka, and showing the value of momentum. You see a lot of players have a big win, take off, instead of keeping going, right? In order to get number one in the world, I always say, you, it's not just being good at winning a title, it's also building momentum. And we see right now the value of momentum and how that has propelled her so much that she's only getting four games, only lost four games in the set. And in Miami, on the men's side, we've seen... It's funny when you think it asks all the players who they thought would be in the top 10 by the end of the year, a lot of players named Carlos Alcaraz. And what do we see this week? We saw the young gun really show he's physically fit, able to stand with anybody, didn't have to play any of the big three, right? But shows that just how wide open this field is after the big three are gone. You see Casper Ruud emerge to a final of a, of a 1,000, and now you see Alcaraz really opening. So, these two are just two of the many men who are waiting for the next era to emerge when Djokovic, Rafa, and Nadal step away and the field, open, field opens up. This week, I'm in one of my favorite destinations, Charleston, South Carolina, one of the most beautiful tennis venues in the States. Great food, great people, a great tournament, and a lot of great memories here for me personally. With 2016, coaching Sloan to win this tournament Back in 2016, the first year was called the Volvo Open. We've got a new stadium, millions of dollars poured into not only the stadium, but tennis in general in Charleston. We've got new player lounges, new restaurant, new amenities that resemble those at Miami Indian Wells. Charleston's on its way up. And this week, we also get the opportunity to watch Shelby Rogers, the pride of Charleston, play in this tournament. She sat down with us prior to the draw coming out. Take a listen. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. I'm your host, Kamal Murray, and we are here with the last person to actually beat Ash Barty. <laughs> Maybe you sent her to retirement. Shelby Rogers. Oh my gosh, I love it. That's my claim to fame now. It's so good. Like when she announced her retirement, my Twitter blows up like, oh my gosh, this girl, they'll beat her. No. I'm like, what? <laughs> So did you know that? Because like 2021, it's like y'all couldn't get away from each other. You kept like drawing each other. You played her five times. And the last time you were like, okay, fuck this, I gotta beat her. So like Yeah, I literally told her, like, the next time we play, can it at least be in a final or something? Because I was playing really well last year, you know, and I kept running into the one person that was like beating me, but like kicking my butt every time, you know? And uh so then US Open, I saw the draw and I was like, all right, I wanna get to play Ash Barty again, I want to beat her. Like, I want to show her what the USA is about, you know? And, then, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, and then it ended up being this like epic match, right? And then she's done. I'm like, 
What just happened? That's crazy. I never thought I would be the last person for sure. I know. See, now that you've said it, she's, you know, she likes to prove a point. She's going to come back one more time <laughs> and be like, be like, hey, Shelby, you want to do an XO? And be like, no. She's going to ask her, I'll come play one more event, but I got to draw Shelby first round so I can like avenge it. Yeah. No, but it's honestly the only person too where you can't even be upset when you lose to her because she's so stinking nice off the court, right? And she's like such a gracious winner and loser. And so like five times in a row and you can't even be upset. It's just like, dang it. I know, right? Yeah. So since you clearly had like the magic potion, what, now that she, and she's retired, she won't care if you give out the secrets now. What do you think, having played her the most of anybody last year, What's it like to play her and what opportunities do you see to beat her? Yeah, so the last match I played her, clearly my game doesn't match up well with hers. <laughs> like 0 for 5 at that point. So I was like, okay, what can I do differently that she's maybe not going to be ready for or that could like throw her off a little bit? And we were on Ash that night and it was just playing super slow. The balls were heavy, like you could not hit a winner, which isn't ideal for me. Probably plays right into her hand. So I actually started throwing in some like high balls and like mixing it up with some angles and like just being really patient with the slice, I think is the one thing that's important against her because everybody wants to break down her backhand side, but she's, her whole career is about defending it with the slice and working you around the court. She knows exactly what she wants to do and you play right into it. So just being really patient with the slice and looking for your opportunities. But yeah, I mixed in some high balls, which was like super uncomfortable for me. But that night it just ended up working. I don't know. <laughs> no, it was, you're so right. So in 2017, I think Sloan played her in like second or third round. And I was like, all right, look, we're going to just play the forehand. It's like, that's the dumbest thing ever. I'm going to play the backhand. I'm like, no, the backhand, she actually has to, she makes you think. Yeah. And she can like kind of throw you off. Yeah. If you like, make it a boxing match, then you win the boxing match. Just play the foreign because it's more predictable. She yes. doesn't like create as much with it. It's more like, okay, ball's right here, cross court, blah, blah, blah. It's like, so actually play the forehand. And it's a ball you're more used to hitting because not a lot of players use the slice all the time. So it's a very big weapon for her to use. So breaking down that side doesn't make sense. It was the same when I played Carla Suarez Navarro. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna break down her one-handed backhand. Uh, no, you're not. <laughs> that thing is solid. So yeah, definitely tried to change up the game plan for sure. But look, <laughs> my record's not great. I'm just glad I got her one time. Well, you got the one, you got it at the US Open, you got it on Ash, if there's any time to get it. Yeah, that's true. It's in America, in New York City. And being down watching. two breaks in the yeah. third set. Like, that's wild. <laughs> that's against all odds, I think. So like, talk about against all odds. Your 2021 was like amazing, right? And even like your clay court season, people don't look at Shelby and they're like, yeah, She's gonna put the ball past you. She's gonna bang you here, bang you there. People like don't really look at Shelby and say, oh yeah, great play court player. So tell me about the last two years. Like what's changed where you've become someone so consistent and someone that's not seated, people like draw you like, oh fuck, I gotta play Shelby. Yeah, well that's a goal, right? I would like to be seated <laughs> this year eventually at some point. But I think, you know, Again, my game, it's always been one that can kind of beat any player on any day. It's just trying to find that word you said, consistency, is the what everybody is going after, right? Week after week after week, trying to produce good results. And I think the clay court season really exposes that with a lot of people because there's so many changes, you know, and it's a really tough transition. But, I mean, I grew up in Charleston playing on green clay, actually. So I actually developed my game on the clay. And my 
few like first good results were on red clay. I mean, I made my first Grand Slam quarterfinal was at the French Open. The first red clay court tournament in juniors I ever played, I won. So, you know, I have a lot of really good memories on the clay, which helps too. If you have this just like angry mentality towards the clay, it's just not going to work out no matter how good your game is or how well you move or anything. If you don't like it within yourself, it's just not going to work. You know, if you're stepping on the court and it doesn't feel right, it doesn't work. So I think having a good attitude is a, a very large part of the clay court season. Same with grass, right? Any sort of large transitional change, you got to have a really good mindset. So obviously now you're a veteran on the tour, right? That's like, yeah, I'm Sounds getting old. Thanks. Right, Come right, out. Right. Like, <laughs> that move, right? Just say it like it is. I'm like, getting you know, old. We're both. I mean, we both getting there. We like traveled all these good places, bad places. So now as you've been all around the world, I mean, you played 125s, 250s. What are what is the one place where it was like, okay, this is like not a grand slam, but I love coming here. And one place where he's like, oh, I never want to go back there. Oh, that's such a good question. I think up there for me has got to be. We used to have a tournament in Austria that was amazing in Badgestein. Amazing tournament there. Like, just the scenery for me was a nice change. Mountains, and then you have like rivers. You have a little bit of everything. Really cool tournament. Um, I'm going to name all the tournaments we don't have anymore. Because <laughs> we used to play in Rio too, where the guys still are now. And I loved Rio. Really, really cool city there. Um, where do I never want to go back? I mean, like a couple of the first pro tournaments I ever played were pretty brutal, like some of the ITFs, you know? <laughs> but we, we don't have to go there. We don't have to go there. So, um, so, so PC, Shelby, like you're like totally like towing the line right now. I mean, okay, St. Joseph, Missouri, I played a tournament there and that was pretty brutal. Let's what, be honest. The Midwest is brutal, like Missouri, yeah. Peoria. I yeah. can think of like some of the like challengers. It was like, man, this place kind of sucks. And then... Actually, surprisingly, we have one in Midland, Michigan. You think it would be miserable because of the snow and it's in February, but it's actually so nice because like mm -hmm. the whole community gets around the tournament. And I think those are the best ones that stand out to players is when like the staff, the, the community, everybody kind of gets involved. It's sort of this, you know, hometown feeling like it's very, you know, welcoming and they treat the players well. Those are like the, the player favorites, I think. When you go there and it's just like cold and difficult <laughs> to get around, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like some of the tournaments in Europe can be tough, yeah. I think. Um, but yeah, I think... I don't know if I can say, but the tournaments in China are always tough for me. Like just the, it's just a big culture shock. I think the mm -hmm. food's tough. Like the time zone. Time zone's tough. Yeah, Jet but lag. I mean, again, if you have a good mindset, it fixes a lot of things. I think. So when you land in the city, right? Obviously, everyone has like their food things, right? They put their bag down, yeah. pack a few things, then you look for like certain types of food. What's like the first thing you look for when you land in the city and see what's close to you? I love finding a good tea spot because I don't drink coffee. I think it tastes like dirt. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, so I like to find a good matcha or you know something cool, cool little cafe to go to. I think that's a lot of fun in the morning or an acai bowl, avocado toast. You know, super like trendy. Um, and then I'm. Some players like to eat the same things every day, but I like to try a bunch of new stuff. So good restaurants. I'm always on, you know, TripAdvisor, like looking up reviews, like trying to plan out my eating schedule, you know? So, well, yeah. You've been on tour so long now. You should, like, know where everything is by now. <laughs> yeah, but I like to try new stuff. That's the thing. So I'm always trying to, you know, find a new attraction or, you know, try, try to do one thing new each week. That's kind of my rule. So what's the one place in Charleston that's got good avocado toast? It's, like, right down the street. Beach. 
It's right across the street. Yeah. yeah. It's so good. Acai bowls, avocado toast. I think Sloan posted about it the other day. Yeah, and like <laughs> made, made me go every morning and go get it. Can you go get yeah. my avocado toast from this place? I'm like, oh. You can walk there. It's not that far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good spot. Um, but, I mean, gosh, we're so fortunate to go to so many amazing places. It's like the bucket list. You're just like, check, check, check. Yeah. It's pretty cool. So who's the one player when, I mean, we know people fear you, but who's the one player when the draw comes out other than an obvious seed and other than Ash okay. that you're like, eh, I don't want to play this person. Please don't let me play this person. Oh, that's a great question. And I'm not going to give you an obvious answer. I think another, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, I think another like dark horse consistently is Kai Kanepi because she's just like, if she's on, like you can't do anything. You know what I mean? She hits the ball so clean and can just rip the cover off the ball and mm -hmm. she can serve really well. So I think she's a dark horse a lot of the time. So her sister lives in Chicago. Okay. So she came to Chicago for like two weeks. Yeah. Practiced at the club. The nicest person ever, right? So I went out on court, helped her out a little bit. I'm like, what do you want to do? She says, whatever you think. I'm like, well, I'm not your coach. What do you, what do you want to do? Whatever you say. I'm like, I've never had a player. That's amazing. Say whatever you say. She says, really? I say, yeah, no, I always get people to say no. Go f yourself. I'm not doing that. <laughs> like, no one ever the says yes. The most comfortable player in the world right there. I was like. Younger sister? I think it's older. Well, she's married with okay. kids, so yeah, she's yeah. probably older. Yeah. So, but I was like, she just says yes to everything. Whatever you say. You think I need more? I'm like, okay, you got to stop. This is like <laughs> not. You got to stop. This is. <laughs> That's crazy. So I wouldn't say I'll be like whatever you want, but I definitely am super open to opinions. But I'll ask a lot of questions. So I'm like, okay, if you tell me what we're doing, like I want to know exactly why, what this is going to help, and what we're doing this for. You know, like my brain has to really analyze everything and understand what we're doing. So when I tell you because I said so. No like, yeah, chance. No, no way. <laughs> I'd be like, but why do you think that? <laughs> what's, yeah, why, you know, what's the reason behind this? I gotta know. Shelby, just trust. Right? <laughs> trust. <laughs> Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. So let's pretend that like mix became a thing at like the 1000s, right? And people started to promote more mix and more events were happening. Mixed doubles. Yes. Number one, would you play? And number two, who would be your dream partner other than the big three? Okay, mixed events, I'm all mixed for. Doubles. Mixed doubles? Yes. <laughs> I've played one time in my life and I'm going to call him out right now. Bradley Klon, we played at the US Open, and we had, we played Kudretseva, sorry, butchered her name, and Koreshi. So like doubles players. Very good doubles players. And we had a set point in the first set, and a middle ball, he's lefty, right? So we both have a forehand, and I go, mine. And he takes the forehand, and he shanks it into Ash Stadium, like I've never seen a ball go that far <laughs> in my life. And I. I think I'm scarred from that. No, we had so much fun. But for me, playing mixed doubles, it's just about scheduling. Like, it becomes a lot of tennis. If you're winning a lot of singles matches and you're playing doubles, and then on top you have mixed, you're playing, like, 20 matches a week. You know right. what I mean? So it just becomes – and remember, you said I'm getting old. So it just becomes a lot of tennis. I didn't say that. I said that. But – so probably I would not play. But listen, if I had to play – Jack Sock or John Isner, for sure. I mean, they're like some of the 
most amazing doubles players. Get I think. in line. I mean, like everyone's <laughs> gonna pick Jack Stock, best doubles player in ever to play the game. Yeah. Period. But like John Isner too, you're gonna get a lot of free points on the the serve, you know, or even like I mean Riley doesn't play too many doubles, but it would be fun. Be like, yeah, I look great at the net. <laughs> you won't have the volley. Yeah. You'd be like, you fake poach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I could do whatever I want. I look great. <laughs> Yeah, I got to stick with the Americans there for sure. I got you. Well, thank you for joining us, Shelby. It's been fun. Always fun talking to you. Good luck the rest of the season. Thanks, Kamau. All right. Thank you. And that was great with Shelby, who actually drew the player she said she prefers not to play in the first round of an event, Kaya Kanepi. And now we got a chance to sit down with Emma Navarro, NCAA champion, rising star here in Charleston, the pride of UVA right now, and whose family is investing a lot of money into this event, as well as the tennis in the Charleston area. Take a listen. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. I'm your host, Kamal Murray, and we are here with the young gun, Emma Navarro. Does anybody, have anybody ever called you that before? No. We don't use those terms in tennis. No, we don't. We say like, I'm but becoming I, yeah. player. No, but I like it, young gun. I can, like rock, I can rock with that. All right, you're a little serving the forehand. That's why I see yeah. young gun all about it, right? A little sliding, because you got like clay courts all around here. Yeah. So it's very interesting to me because I think that a lot of tennis players, well, European tennis players never really consider college. Yeah. Right, there's like playing on tour, playing in clubs, and they're going to go pro. But American players who have pro potential, Right, always like, eh, should I go spend a year in college? Am I ready? What made you decide to go to college versus turning pro right away? Yeah, I always wanted to go to college. It was like I never even considered going pro straight out of high school. Um, I just wanted to have the college experience, be on a team, you know, sort of feel out um, that life. And uh, yeah, it's been really great. Um, I'm in my second year now, so. We'll see. I'm not sure where I'm going to go after this year, but yeah, we'll see. You party much? <laughs> Never. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Tommy Paul always tells the story about how he wanted to go to North Carolina and they didn't offer him a full scholarship. Wow, interesting. So, when you were making your decision, what other schools were on your list and why did you choose UVA? So, I was actually committed, verbally committed to Duke. Um, I committed summer after my freshman year and then uh, after my junior year I kind of decided to reconsider so I was between UVA, UNC and Duke and then uh, yeah I picked UVA. Um, great coaches, great facilities, school is great. Um, I wanted good academics and they got that so yeah it was kind of a no-brainer. So I always am marveled because Brandon Nakashima came to Chicago playing for UVA. Yeah practiced at my club, and played number four. Yeah. And then, like, later that year, turned pro, and now he's top 100 in the world. So when you went to college, what number did you play starting out, and did you work your way up? And then tell me, take me from first practice, working your way up, to winning an NCAA championship. Yeah, so I, guys' tennis, college tennis is a little different. Like, everyone's kind of good. So, like, playing four, like, it's, it's not that big of a deal. Women's tennis is a little different. So I started playing one. Um, I actually got to school. It was, like, early January. I, I ended up staying home for the first semester because it was COVID-y. Um, so I got to school. I tested positive for COVID the day I got there. Went back home for two weeks. 
um, then went back to school and within two days we were at kickoff so we were playing our first match and I like didn't really know the girls very well didn't really know the coaches um, but yeah I just went with it and then uh, yeah I kind of I knew nothing about college tennis really when I first started so I was kind of just like feeling it out um, yeah and now I have a better handle on it for sure but yeah it was a it was an interesting start to my college career so what was it like winning NCAAs it was great. Um, I had a blast. I kind of, like going into the tournament, I didn't really have that many expectations. Like I didn't really knew what it meant to be a college play or a, a national champion. So, you know, I just wanted to play some good tennis um, and I did. And uh, it kind of didn't sink in until like three days after. I was like, okay, like that was kind of cool <laughs> that I did that. <laughs> that was kind of cool, right? Yeah. <laughs> So then you win NCAAs, you obviously start getting wild cards into pro events, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, a lot of people tell a story about like the first person to like kick their ass when they get on the pro tour, right? Because yeah. big stuff in college, you play on a pro tour and you're like, eh, maybe I'm not that good, right? Yeah. So tell me about your first tour level match after winning NCAAs and did it humble you or did it give you more confidence? Oof, when you first said that, I was thinking when I played Iga like two years ago or something at home, here in like a 60k I think or 80k maybe and I won one game and outside of that game I maybe won like two other points like I just <laughs> got a butt whooping um, so yeah that knocked me back a little bit since then oof um, Anna Samova was tough uh, out in Indian Wells um, yeah that that knocked me back a little bit <laughs> but uh, yeah we're still moving forward so yeah, so I, it's, it's always interesting. So let me ask you this then. So what what makes you think you can continue to play? Like, I've, I've, I've watched you play, player. I play, I'm like, oh, this girl's not bad, right? She plays bigger than a 17-year-old, right? Yeah. So what kind of keeps you going? Um, I think the fact that I feel like I'm getting better every day that I step on the court, and I feel like I have a great coach that's helping me to improve every day, and I feel like literally better on the court every single day. Um, so just having that, um, I feel like I can take that and uh, make something out of it, so. So you, I went to college and played college tennis, but it was pre-NIL. Now you like, so spoiled. Yeah. Now like, if somebody wanted to write you a check, yeah. or have you take a photo and pay you, you could totally do it. I was eating like oodles and noodles. <laughs> yeah, ramen noodles to send me money. Yeah. Right? And like the coach couldn't even like take me out for Wendy's because yeah. it'd be an NCAA violation. So tell me now, you know, we obviously see basketball, football players getting paid. I don't really know a lot of tennis players getting paid. So tell me about the world of NIL as it relates to college tennis now, because you're the champion, right? So if it's, if it's going to happen, it should be happening to you. Yeah, it's been a it's been a, a bit of a slow start to the NIL process in women's tennis. <laughs> I can be the agent. Um, I mean, come on, like we, we can walk out of here and like get on the phone. Hey, I need it. Cause, <laughs> yeah, no, it's been a slow start for sure. I kind of haven't really done much. Um, I've been busy and ignoring my DMs, um, so I haven't really done much. But yeah, I'm hoping to uh, yeah make something happen. <laughs> <laughs> so you're talking about DMs, right? So like you know. A lot of players had the benefit of being able to come up and make this transition and turn yeah. pro without social media. Because yeah. it can help or hurt you. For right? sure. And now, social media, you mentioned DMs, anybody can like yeah. slide in your DMs and say, oh, she's great, or oh, she's trash, or oh, this and all oh, that. How do you deal with that? Like, I know 
I try to implement a rule two days before the tournament, no social media. Yeah. Right? Until we're done. It I doesn't like always that rule. work because like players like 27, like, yeah, yeah. I get you. Yeah. <laughs> but like for you, like how do you manage social media and like some of the feedback that can come from a positive and negative? Yeah, it's crazy. It's scary sometimes to like get these like terrible messages after you lose a match. Um, but I'm really lucky, like I have a great group of people around me um, that keep me pretty grounded. So like I'm not too worried what, you know, a random person betting on my match thinks of me. Um, so I'm going to try to keep that mindset as I keep going. But I kind of always said like if I made something out of tennis, like I might want to delete my Instagram and just go like incognito mode. I feel like that would be kind of fun. That would be good. Yeah. Until your sponsor says, activate it, post this, <laughs> and tag us. Exactly. Then you exactly. have to like make it back again. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So Shelby Rogers, prior to now, was like the pride of Charleston. Yeah. Like I think I had on a Charleston sweatshirt, and I was in the airport one time. Someone says, oh my god, you've been to Charleston? We have a famous person who lives in Charleston. I said, oh yeah, who's the famous person? Shelby Rogers. I was like, <laughs> Okay. Okay. Right. So yeah. now you're like the pride of Charleston. So tell me about playing tournaments in your hometown, and is that like pressure? Is it pride? You know, what is that like? It's some of both, for sure. Pressure because I have like friends and family and local people coming out, and obviously they want to see me win. Um, so yeah, some pressure there, but also it's just like it's awesome to be able to play for such a cool city and such a great amount uh, group of people um, yeah I'm lucky to uh, have come from here and have a great um, community supporting me another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where Bank of America can help for your financial to-dos Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So you're like ramping up now. So you're 25Ks, 60Ks. So you've gone to some destinations that are like not so luxurious. So what place are you looking forward to going to, right? Is it grand? You know, like, and then what place do you like? Yeah, I've done like 15K here. Yeah. I, I'd be okay if I never go back there again. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to going to Paris. I hope to make it there soon. Um, the site's amazing. Um, Paris is obviously beautiful. Are you a um, I, sometimes. Depends. Not like it, I, I don't like designer stuff, but I do like to shop. <laughs> um, oof, place I don't want to go back to. Um, Rome, Georgia is not the best. I don't know if you've been there, but it's never it's, been. It's not the best. Never been. Yeah, if, my, if that's on my player schedule, I probably won't work with that player. Like, <laughs> yeah, hey, head out, take a week off. Right. Um, yeah, we actually have ACCs there this year again. So, and I just played a 60k there. So, not really looking forward to going back there, but it is what it is. All right. So when you finally make it, you know, we always the NBA players. When I finally made it, I bought my mom a house. Yeah. I bought a car. Uh, Tracy McGrady says he took like half a million dollars, laid it on the bed, and like laid on yeah, it just yeah. to see what it felt like. So when you finally make some money, what's going to be your first purchase for yourself? Ooh, that's a tough question. Um, I'd probably go shoe shopping, honestly. 
I don't have a pair of like dream shoes, but I love shoes. Yeah. So I buy a lot of pairs of shoes for <laughs> sure. And a dog. I want to get a dog of my own. Yeah. Like a little support dog. That's like a thing now. Like every player now is bringing like a yeah, dog. Yeah, like, People always ask me, are, they, are, they, are the players, are they like having mental issues? And I need support <laughs> dogs? And every, no, yeah. we're just having fun. Exactly. <laughs> just want to have your dog on the side of the court. Exactly. Like exactly. Venus now has started a thing yeah. where she brings her dog to the practice court. Yeah. Isla's always got her dog out here. So I now I got to give me a dog. I need a, I need a support dog on the road. It's, to yeah. Things. It's on trend. You got to get it. Right. Well, thank you for coming on the show. We yeah, thanks for having me. We are enjoying seeing you rise and ascend and compete and grow. I mean, we're yeah. getting to see you grow up in front of our eyes. Yeah. And we're grateful to have you on the tour and wish you lots of luck. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it.